on guys welcome to the debut episode of the dfs dose your fix of dfs information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben hover and for the very first time i'm joined by the two jays joey and jared uh gentlemen the nfl season is less than three weeks away and i could not be more excited uh this podcast is a big reason why you know, we've been friends for about a decade, been talking football and fantasy for just as long, and it's about time that we bring some of our thoughts and strategies to the public. Joey, would you mind kicking us off by telling the people a little bit about what kind of content we're going to be delivering? Uh, yeah, no problem, Ben. So we're a fantasy football podcast focusing on DFS strategy and information. So for this podcast, we're mostly going to be talking in terms of DraftKings scoring and pricing. And as far as episodes, we're going to release two episodes per week, every week, and they're going to be released on Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah. Jared, uh, would you mind telling the people uh, where they can find our content? So you can find our episodes on SoundCloud and YouTube by searching the DFS Dose or go to our Twitter at the DFS Dose, where we will have a pinned tweet with all the important links to our content. And you can see all our daily tweets and all our little information we're going to be dishing out to you the whole season. Yeah, we're going to try and get on a solid schedule to release podcasts at about noon on, on Mondays and Thursdays. And we're also going to be looking to have a schedule on Twitter where we post uh, a, like our favorite picks or perhaps just a, a steady line that we post every week before the games start. So you can look for that early on Sunday mornings before lock as well. We're going to get into it right away and talk a little bit of DraftKings Week 1. Later in the show, we're going to get into a little redraft talk. Uh, Like Joey said, we're primarily going to be a DFS podcast. You know, while it's still August, we don't mind talking a little bit of redraft, getting people ready for their redraft leagues, which should be kicking off drafts in the next two or three weeks uh, leading up to the season. And later on, we'll close the show with a little rapid fire, just tossing some names out and getting a little quick reaction from the guys. So without any further ado, let's talk uh, DraftKings Week 1 value. Uh, Joey, why don't you get us started with somebody you like? All right, somebody I like on DraftKings uh, for Week 1 is Saquon Barkley at 6,700. So I know he's a rookie. It's going to be his first NFL game uh, minus the preseason, but... He's expected to get at least like 20 carries, I would yeah, think. Yeah, and he should be a threat in the receiving game as well. Um, the the volume is there for him to put up good numbers at his 6700 price tag. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, some players going in that same range on DraftKings. You could look at Christian McCaffrey at 6400 You could look at Dalvin Cook coming back at 62 And he, right above him is Melvin Gordon at 68 which yeah. I personally like. Cream Hunt at 69 as well. I could I could rock with the play like of Cream Hot. So I like uh, Joe Mixon a little bit lower at sixty one hundred against the a terrible Colts defense. Yeah, Mixon projects to be be running behind a improved offensive line. Uh, the Bengals added Billy Price in the first round. They added Cordy Glenn in a trade with the Bills, and Joe Mixon closed the year off averaging five yards per carry in his last four games. So. If he's able to maintain that average going forward, I think that Mixon could be a good play at 6,100. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who's somebody you like, Jared, for the week one on DraftKings? For extreme value, I like John Ross at 3,900 against these, that same terrible Colts uh, defense. And the secondary is honestly just it's not great. And he's been looking better during the preseason, during camp. And even if he just gets one bomb from Andy Dolan, that could return your value by 
three times. Yeah, we all remember Ross uh, breaking the speed record at the NFL Combine in his rookie year. He definitely had his rookie season, you know, sort of messed up by injury. But with the Bengals recently releasing Brandon LaFell, he looks to take over that wide receiver two position on the Bengals across from A.J. Green. He should definitely have the opportunity at that low price. Um, Joey, who is somebody else that you like uh, for DraftKings week one? All right. Uh, somebody else that I like is Rob Gronkowski. Obviously, you know, he's a big name. He's the top tight end in the league. His price is 6900 on DraftKings for week one, and that's uh, pretty high for a tight end. He's up there with Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson as the top three options, but the volume is going to be there. He's going to be Brady's main target. The Patriots have injuries right now that will affect playing time. The Patriots running back core is a little banged up. Um, the receivers, Michelle. yeah, Michelle, Burkhead are hurt. Uh, there's a battle between Gillisley and Hill, but you don't know what their um, depth chart is going to be. And then receiver-wise, Edelman is suspended for the first four games. You don't know what you're going to get with Dorsett or Cordell Patterson. Um, Hogan, he's going to be there to, to take targets, but I feel like Gronk is going to have a massive game against the, the Texans week one. Um, and the Texans were also ranked 24th against tight ends last year, which is pretty uh, bad. Yeah, and it's definitely early to look at this, but uh, that is the highest projected point total on the slate. So we yeah. can expect a lot of points in that game. And Gronk has the familiarity uh, with yes. Brady that a lot of those players don't, especially with his previous safety blanket and Edelman uh, missing yeah. with a suspension. Exactly. Um, and also, I mean, the Texans are getting back key players on defense like J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, and some other players. And they just added uh, Tyron Matthew in the offseason. So their defense is definitely going to be improved. But the Brady and Gronk connection can uh, literally be any defense. Yeah, I'm going to throw a name out there. Taiwan Taylor of the Titans, I think, is a pretty sneaky play at 3,600. He's going to be facing a pretty bad Miami secondary. Uh, in his second preseason game, he had four targets, turned that into 95 yards and two touchdowns. And the Tennessee Titans in general, I think, are going to be an improved offense. They're getting rid of their sort of archaic coaching staff uh, with Mike Malarkey and moving in a more progressive direction. Rashard Matthews has yet to practice all summer. So really what they've got is Corey Davis and Tywan Taylor going into week one. Matthews could definitely come back, but Taylor has shown to be explosive. Uh, if you caught any of that preseason game, he turned one of his short gains into a 47-yard touchdown just on a small screen pass from Mariota. So I think that Taylor at 3,600 has some upside. He's definitely going to be one of like the lower-owned players, I would imagine. Not too many people should be on him. So uh, I think Taylor's a value if you want to pay down a receiver. A GPP uh, play. Uh, you got anybody you want to toss out there, Jared? This isn't crazy value, but Devin Funches against the Dallas secondary – I mean, the Dallas secondary really isn't isn't that great, and they were ranked 26th against the receivers last year on DraftKings. And Devin Funches is pretty pretty consistent, and um, Cam Newton's number one target by a, a landslide. Uh, he's only 5,200, so I definitely could see that play for sure. Uh, Joey, you want to toss anybody else out there? Yeah, I like I like Peyton Barber as well at for 4,100. You know, he's a low. A salary option that you could put in like a flex maybe and he's going to be the starter going up against the Saints defense week one in New Orleans but I mean you just 
he, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. He could he could do well, or he could split time with uh, Penny, or not Penny, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, Ronald Jones and um, Jaquiz Rogers. So you just don't know, but I, I kind of like him as a flex play. Sure, and some other running backs in that same value that I think could have quite a bit of value on week one would be uh, Rex Burkhead just above him at 4,200. Uh, we already talked about all of the why we like that game, high point total, uh, New England at home. And Burkhead has a pretty high red zone rate. He, As long as he's healthy, he's dealing with a slight tear in his knee right now, but Burkhead could definitely be healthy by week one, in which case I think he'd be a pretty good play. And a little bit lower down the list, uh, Samaj P. Ryan is 3,900, and Robert Kelly is 3,500. Uh, there were I like some. Rob Kelly. Yeah, Kelly at 3,500 is looking pretty good. Uh, he should have one of the highest touch per dollar projections on the week. Uh, Kelly facing the Cardinals week one. The only concern with that would be the Redskins have brought in or are preparing to bring in Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles, two uh, veteran backs who could potentially take that starting role from him if the Redskins like what they get out of those guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I feel like that's just a standard move for NFL yeah. teams. So not neither of them are getting signed. I mean, I could see one of them getting signed. You know, I don't think maybe so. I, I would probably think Adrian Peterson would probably get signed over Jamal Charles. Yeah, Charles didn't look like he had anything left last year, but but uh, Peterson did have a hundred yard rushing game. What with uh, David Johnson's absence last year. Yeah. I'm going to toss out one more name, uh, Marquise Goodwin at 4600 Seems like crazy value to me. Um, it seems like they priced him down simply based on matchup because they're playing uh, the Vikings. But Goodwin has emerged out of uh, 49ers camp as Garoppolo's top clear target. And Goodwin at 4600 should project to have that kind of explosiveness that could be a GPP winner, especially if people are off of him because of the matchup. I like that play a lot. Any other names you guys want to toss out there? Uh, just like, you know, just some receivers that I like. I like Demarius Thomas and Will Fuller week one. They're, Demarius Thomas is 5,700 and Will Fuller is 5,100 on DraftKings. I like both of those plays. I feel like they could provide some good value in GPP. Um, the Broncos are playing the Seahawks at home and Will Fuller is playing in New England. And they have Watson back as well, so... Jared, anybody? Yeah, the last person I would talk about is Andy Dalton at fifty eight hundred, but that that's only if you're gonna pair him with a AJ Green or John Ross in a GPP cash play is no goal for Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of defense, I think that if you're looking to pay down on Week One, uh, the Chargers at twenty eight hundred could provide a good option. They're at home. I would expect that they'd be favorites in that game. And they have a pretty crazy pass rush. Uh, They're going to be facing a rookie quarterback in Pat Mahomes, who has been turnover prone this far in camp. Uh, There's some concern that they could put up points at any moment with their receiving options, Watkins and Hill, Kelsey, uh, Kareem Hunt. It's a pretty explosive offense, but there's definitely a chance for turnovers with a rookie quarterback and a versatile pass rush. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a play. The Chargers have a great pass rush, and they have a pretty good secondary. So, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to our second segment here. We're going to talk about some players who are going overdrafted in redraft leagues. So just uh, for a point of reference, we used Fantasy Pros PPR ADP. Um, so what Fantasy Pros does is they make a sort of composite ADP based on a bunch of various sites, including Yahoo, uh, My Fantasy League, ESPN, CBS Sports, and, and they sort of uh, just sort of make a true average draft position. So we took some time to look that over and found some players who uh, we were calling ADP landmines, players who could blow up your roster if you take them at their current ADP. So Jared, why don't you get us started with somebody who you think is an ADP bust? So at number seven overall, Saquon Barkley is way too high. Like I get he's this dynamic playmaker and he's gonna get all these touches, all the but he is still a rookie. There is no way you should be taking him over DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, even a a proven runner in London Fournette, Michael Thomas, like all these other players, you just can't take a rookie over him, especially in the first round. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that point. And even if you look a little bit uh, lower than Barkley, the next running back off the board is Kareem Hunt, who led the league in uh, rushing last year. And As a rookie. As a rookie, that's a fair point. But Kareem Hunt... That's not that's not something you can expect. So it almost seems to me like you're drafting Barkley at his ceiling. Um, yes, I, for I, sure. I never want to be drafting a player at their ceiling. I want to be drafting them in a position where I feel like they're a value. Um, if you're drafting a player at his ceiling, there's only room for downside. You're not leaving any room for upside. Exactly. Like with Todd Gurley going at number one, you know what you're going to get with Todd Gurley. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get with Saquon Barkley, you know? And there's three, yeah, like you said, Kareem Hunt I'm taking over him, Lennon Fournette taking over him, even Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely Old, taking Odell. Melvin Gordon ahead of him. Literally the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I'm taking over him. And that's not to say Which that is, Barkley yeah. is going to be bad or won't be productive in his rookie year. It's just that at that point in the draft you want a certain level of safety because you can make or break your draft in the first two picks and there's already a significant amount of injury risk built into taking a running back that early but um just a question for you guys don't you think the like the redraft dynamic has shifted from receiver to running back now so like if you don't grab that running back in the first round you're not gonna win yeah, I could agree, I could agree with that. Yeah, I, it's, it's yeah, definitely changed. It has switched back. Cause I remember, like in twenty, be. like in twenty fifteen, we were drafting three, four receivers straight and waiting on the running back till round five, till round six. Now it's get your running backs because they're so valuable and they're gonna get you those touches and those points. And there's so much depth at wide receiver in the NFL now that you could wait to grab a T.Y. Hilton at 28, or a Stephon Diggs at 31, but you can't come across a Saquon Barkley at, you know, 40, 50, you know? Yeah, but you know what Saquon's going to actually do for sure. Yeah, that, you know his exact yeah. role. That's the thing. That's what yes. you – at yeah. the, top, the top 18, even the top 24, you need to know what the role is. Yeah. You can't have a question 100. mark at number seven. So yeah, so hundred percent. So I just agree. think about this real quick. Uh, Christian McCaffrey got eighty catches last year. So to me, Saquon Barkley would need to have at least that to be 
which I don't think he will. No. I don't think he'll have 80 catches. No. But, but Christian McCaffrey only had 117 attempts. Saquon is projected, what, 300, maybe over 300 carries if he stays healthy for the whole year? Yeah, that's what they'd, that's what they'd like to have. And uh, just to answer your question, I definitely do think that it has shifted back towards being a running back heavy approach, especially in the first round. But those top few players, starting with Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Zeke as the consensus top four, yeah, uh, yeah. they just have such a high workload that you really have to target them. And when you think about redraft oh. from the perspective of it's real similar to just playing a DFS cash game because you're looking for a high floor, you're looking for just to be one other person. It's not like a GPP where you need to beat, you know, this many thousands of other people to get to yes. first. You just need to have a higher floor than the other person, and those running backs provide that. So I definitely do agree that, you know, you're going to be able to find wide receivers who are going to get five, six targets on the waiver wire or in the late rounds, but you're not going to be able yeah. to find running backs who are getting 10-plus, 15-plus, especially 20-plus carries like you are with running backs. So that really is pushing those guys up. Exactly. Um. There's a – there's – there's an argument for both sides of why he should and shouldn't be drafted that high. You know, you just have to see th- and see if you agree with that or not. So looking a little bit further down the list, Jared, you've got Dalvin Cook at uh, ADP 13. He's going as the 10th running back off the board. Uh, what don't you like about Cook at that draft position? So again, almost the same point with Saquon Barkley. It's the uncertainty, but this time with coming off a, a pretty significant injury and then he's what 13 so that's the middle of the second or the beginning of the second round and that's ahead of again like Julio Jones that you know what you're going to get Michael Thomas Keenan Allen CMC Devonte Adams like you know what you're getting with these guys and take Delvin Cook at 13 and he still might even split carries with um Latavius Murray so yeah and Murray didn't look great he fumbled twice in uh, the last preseason game but you know that's a pretty small sample size which is to me the biggest problem with Cook is small sample size he's being drafted as the 13th overall player based on four good games he had I think that there's a lot of projection based on the team he's on people are pretty high on Minnesota this year they've got a good defense so I understand why they think that uh you know a potentially 30 down running back like Cook could have a lot of success but you saw the Vikings last year split time with Murray, with McKinnon, and Dalvin Cook figures, in my opinion at least, to split time with Murray, like you said. So it does seem like you're taking him high. You're taking him right in that same range as Gordon and Fournette, and I definitely view their workloads as more secure. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Joey, what do you think about Dalvin? It just goes back to the argument you know, of getting your running back. And because there's not that, you know, there's more depth at wide receiver. Just goes back to that argument, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, so a little bit further down, uh, Jared mentioned CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, that's one of the people that you have listed as a bust, Joey. What do you think about CMC? Yeah, I feel like he's being drafted way too high, even though, you know, he's he'll have volume. He'll have his uh, role in the offense, in the Panthers offense, as a pass catching back. He did have 80 catches last year. So I can see why he's being drafted at 17 overall. But if we take a quick look at his stats, he only had three games where he had over 50 receiving yards. And then for his rushing, he had 117 carries, 
there was only three games where he had over 10 carries, and he only had over 60 yards twice in 16 games. And so, the Panthers brought in C.J. Anderson, yes. who's a competent runner. They, he complements uh, Christian McCaffrey very well. C.J. Anderson is that uh, in-between-the-tackles runner. He'll get the yards, and Christian McCaffrey can come in on passing downs and get the catches. And C.J. Anderson did have over 1,000 yards last year. So I feel like with McCaffrey being drafted at 17, which is towards the end of the second round, I feel like that's way too high for him when you could get a Gronk. Uh, Devontae Adams, Devontae Freeman, Mike Evans is below him. I feel like those are all better options than Christian McCaffrey. Personally. I definitely agree. Yeah, and just to throw this out there real quick, in uh, 2015, Theo Riddick had 80 catches for 697 yards, and last year McCaffrey had 80 catches for 651 yards. You know, you're looking at Theo Riddick go in the 150s in terms of ADP. So yeah. that's not to say that they're the same player. I definitely think McCaffrey's a much more talented player than Riddick. But just in certain years, these pass-catching backs can have an increased amount of volume, and it just seems like yeah. McCaffrey's being drafted, again, at his ceiling, which I, I never want to draft a player at their ceiling. I want to have room for upside in the, in the plays that I take. Exactly. Overall-wise, out of the entire player pool last year for P, for PPR leagues, McCaffrey was the 34th player, and he was the RB10. So ahead of him were guys like Carlos Hyde, Fournette, Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy, Melvin Gordon. So I feel like he's not worth it at, to draft him at 17 as an RB11 when you could get better value out of some other guys that are below him. Yeah, right. Uh, coming a couple picks after McCaffrey, uh, Joey. Someone else you're not huge on is Joe Mixon at 23. He's the 13th running back off the board in PPR. Uh, not a big fan of my, uh, Mixon. Um, I am not a fan of Mixon at all, and um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of him just because I feel like 23 is way too high for him. I feel like he's my biggest landmine in redraft leagues. Like, I will not draft him personally if he's going in the in the second round, a pick before the second round's over. He only had one game last year where he went over 100 yards rushing. Most of the games, he averaged around, like, three to four, four yards per carry, which isn't bad. But for a player that is supposed to be very good, uh, it's not that great. He only had 30 catches as well for 287 yards, no touchdowns. He does provide some receiving threat, but not that much, you know, and he only had four rushing touchdowns as well. So I feel like drafting him at pick 23, hmm, that's, I feel like that's not a good pick at all. Yeah, uh, just the counter argument for Mixon would be the Bengals offensive line has definitely improved with the addition of first round center Billy Price and uh, they they got Cordy Glenn in the trade with the Bills and Mixon turned started to turn it around at the end of last year he was averaging five yards per carry over this last four games so Mixon did start to produce a little bit better uh, but like you said the volume, he projects to be a bell cow. However, Gio Bernard is always going to siphon some of the receiving uh, third For down sure. plays away from him. So I don't know if he'll ever truly be that kind of workload that we are looking for with a top two pick. For sure. And just to provide some additional stats, some game log stats. I don't know if this sounds like a second rounder to you guys, but 18 carries for 62 yards. 
17 carries for 29 yards, 15 carries for 51 yards, 13 carries for 31 yards, 20 carries for 49 yards. Yeah, um, definitely not. I mean, granted that was in the beginning of the season, and like you said, he did come on towards the end of the season. Uh, He had a good game against the Browns, 23 carries for 114 yards, one touchdown. Um, and then a good game to end the season out, 18 carries, 96 yards. He also did get injured in there, which also can hurt his stock a little bit because he did get injured multiple times last year, and he was playing hurt. So, I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about a player here who I think is quite possibly the most overvalued, overdrafted player in recent years. It's just pure absurdity to me that Josh Gordon is going at 48. He's the wide receiver 23. Uh, He just returned to Brown's camp today, I think, uh, after his mysterious hiatus. uh, The Browns were playing, you know, cat and mouse with Des Bryant, trying to get him to come in there, essentially because – if you ask me, they had no idea whether Gordon was coming back. And just because Gordon's back now is not a safe assumption to me that he's going to play 16 games. I don't know how anybody in their right mind could assume that Gordon will play 16 games. When's the last time he did that? And there's just, when's the last time that a player went for, you know, they were a top tier wide receiver and then they basically don't play for four years and then they come back and they're at that same level. Gordon has a few games here and there in between suspensions and random, you know, disappearances. And all of a sudden people are drafting him at the end of the fourth round again. Like he's going to be 2013 Josh Gordon. I just, I don't get that at all. Joey, as the number one Josh Gordon fan in America, would you please like to uh, uh, (laughs) tell me why I'm wrong? Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely was going to disagree with you on that one. So he's being drafted as a receiver 23, correct? Yes, sir. Um, and with the depth at wide receiver, yeah, he might be a little overdrafted, but the talent is there and the offense around him is there. He has Jarvis Landry. They have Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield. They have Carlos Hyde, uh, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson. They have the players around him to, you know, to keep defenses honest and not double-team Josh Gordon. So if Josh Gordon is healthy and he's ready for week one, I feel like he's too big of a talent to not but play him. Will he be ready for week one? 100%. He will be ready for week one. You can mark my words on that. Um, you could tweet me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I'm not wrong. Um, his ceiling, I feel like for this season, his ceiling is a top five receiver. His floor, um, his floor you know, is zero. Top 20. Top 20. His floor is that he doesn't play. Oh, no. 100% he's committed for this season. I You cannot deny that with his Twitter post and him actually wanting to change his life and and getting help. He will he will play more than 10 games this season. So, 100% guaranteed. So, if you've been watching Hard Knocks or even just following camp reports, Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry are locked in. They've got... Uh, a very strong chemistry Facts. together. Baker Mayfield and yep. Antonio Callaway are locked in. Josh Gordon is coming into camp halfway through the preseason. He has no rapport with either of these quarterbacks. These quarterbacks have never been on the team with Josh Gordon before either of them. So it doesn't matter if you like Taylor or if you like Gordon to be, or sorry, if you like Taylor or if you like 
Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback for the Browns. Uh, obviously, it'll be Taylor to start the season. But these are two players who have no rapport with Gordon, who have never had any type of chemistry with him. And it's just it just seems like a lot of pro- projection. Almost like, again, drafting a player at a ceiling. Although I guess his ceiling theoretically is higher than a wide receiver too. Just a blunt in and a game, dude. Just to throw... Just to throw this out there, 2013, yes, that was five years ago. That's when he did lead the league in receiving at, in 14 games. But he was getting the ball thrown. He was getting the ball thrown by Jason Campbell, Brandon Whedon, trash, Brian Hoyer, and Spencer Lanning threw a couple passes. The punter, okay. <laughs> Think about that. He had 1,600 yards in that in the 2013 season in in 14 games, 1,646 yards and nine touchdowns, with three incompetent quarterbacks. I mean, and he doesn't have the game tear, you know, like he doesn't have the wear and tear on his body over the last four years. Yeah. Uh, Taylor and Mayfield should undoubtedly be the best quarterbacks Gordon's ever worked with, but I, I think I, it's I, just I'm, up in the air for me. I, I will never yeah, take him yeah. at that draft spot. I'm not, I'm not completely biased. I could see the you know, the counter argument against him and why people won't draft him because there's obviously uncertainty and there's risk involved. But I'm willing to take that risk at the end of the fourth round to get a receiver that could potentially provide first round value. I'm willing personally. I'm willing to take that risk, but I could see why you or other people might not be willing to do that. Yeah, uh, another player with a significant amount of upside, but an equally uh, likely downside, in my opinion. Uh, Jared listed as his third bust, and that'd be Jarek McKinnon, who is currently the 14th running back off the board. He's going at the end of the second round at 24. Uh, Jared, what don't you like about McKinnon? So McKinnon being drafted at number 24 is again just coming to a new team and he's not he's not a bell cow that you want to draft as that could be your first running back depending on if you take a um receiver the first round because if you're drafting 24th which is his projected position you're drafting you you might be actually getting your bell call already so do you really want to double down on your running back and get Jarek McKinnon where you can get Jordan Howard who's a a true bell cow, you know, or, I mean, taking a number one receiver in T.Y. Hilton when Andrew Luck's healthy, he's a top top seven receiver. Adam Thielen, who's going to get so much work out of the slot this um this season, considering they moved um Treadwell to f- full-time outside, and Thielen's just going to kill the slot this year. You can get Stephon Diggs, you can get Mr. Home Run and Tyreek Hill. There's so much more that you can get for for than to get Jet at 24. He should honestly be going in the fourth round, not the second. Jared, Jared, you're spitting nothing but complete facts right now. So I applaud you. Let, on let that. me let me just make a quick counter argument for McKinnon. Although I have to be honest, I kind of agree with you. Uh, McKinnon has almost the exact same metrics and body type as Devontae Freeman. He's going to Freeman's former coach, Kyle Shanahan. He's not Freeman. And Freeman is one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan handpicked. Freeman. He was handpicked by 
Shanahan to play that role in his offense. And I get it. Um, you know, McKinnon didn't have more than 16 carries last year in any game, but I think the receiving upside is what people are excited about with McKinnon. Uh, I mean, according to camp reports, he's catching a ton of balls out of the backfield. Uh, currently, the running backs on the 49ers, it's, you know, McKinnon is the most versatile. Uh, they have Alfred Morris, who's a decent in-between-the-tackles runner, but he was a late addition in camp. Uh, Matt Breda is dealing with an injury. He may or may not be ready for week one. Okay, but here, here, here's my thought. So say he's number 24, right? So that means the person who's picking first, second, maybe third, grabs him, right? Yeah, so really chances are they started off with a running back. Yeah, so do you really want to pair Gurley, Bell, David Johnson, or Zeke, or even Kamara? Do you really want to pair him with Jarek McKinnon? Or do you want to pair him with Jordan Howard and Double Down? Or do you want to pair him with the literally Mr. Home Run and Tyreek Hill? He could take yeah. a ball to the house at any catch. Or someone who's going to get primarily, primarily a million slot targets this year in Thielen. Or a top five potential receiving T.Y. Hillen if um, luck is healthy. There's, there's so much more you can go to than Jarek McKinnon, who's not a bell cow at the end of the second round. I completely agree. Yeah, at the end of, at the end of the second round, I I don't like uh Jarek McKinnon. I I mean I would draft him if he was there in like the third round and the or the fourth round. Beginning of the fourth as well. You know, third round. About about forty fifth or yeah, about forty three to forty fifth and then Brandon Cooks, A Rob, Golden Tate, Range, Juju around there. I feel like he's a change of pace back. He's not a bell cow. Exactly like what you were saying, Jared. Mm. Um, another running back that I think is being overdrafted personally is Ronald Jones of the Bucks. Uh, he's currently going uh, at 57. He's the 25th running back. So, you know, uh, borderline RB2-3. But uh, I just saw this quick note across Twitter. Uh, Elvin, uh, Evan Silva posted it out earlier. So in the first two preseason games, Ronald Jones has 12 carries for 11 yards. So he's literally averaging less than one yard per carry against primarily backups he has two game he has uh two targets and two drops so jones has just been absolutely abysmal uh this so so far in the preseason and all news out of bucks camp is that peyton barber's gonna be the starter so ronald jones had some questions coming out of college about his talent and i think that that is going to carry over into the nfl why don't you spit out that peyton barber adp real quick yeah, Barber is currently going at 158, which is pretty crazy. He's the 55th running back, so you're getting him a full 30 running backs later. And he's yeah, getting so a starter 30 running backs later than his backup. 101 picks later, the starter. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it seems like it's only draft pedigree that, that Jones is being drafted this high. And, and right uh, actually in front of Jones, Joey, you have Rashad Penny as a player who is being overdrafted. Yeah, same same situation um, with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Penny is not the starter right now. He hasn't played in the preseason, or he hasn't looked good. And he just and he's been hurt. He just injured his thumb. He went to have surgery on it. Uh, he's going to be out three to four weeks. And he's being drafted over Chris Carson, who's a starter around the like the same ADP. And it, like it just doesn't make sense that backups are getting 
drafted over the starters. I mean, in some part, it's that obviously could be the ADP from best ball leagues that are playing a part in that. I think that when you get into full redraft swing over these next, you know, couple weeks, yeah. I don't think people will, will necessarily sure. be taking Barber that late or Carson at forty second running back off the board. He's going uh, one thirteen at the moment, so. Both of those players I'd expect to see go up draft boards as more people are drafting, but it's also like the um you know the rookie running back hype you know yeah they don't want to be wrong like about the last couple Camara again like yeah like the last couple seasons we've had those rookie running backs that come on and you know do really well Camara Cream Hunt Fournette uh, the couple years before that Zeke. <clears throat> yeah, but there's also been the, so, the TJ Yeldon, Amir Abdullah, Bishop Sankey. There's been just as many examples of these uh, second-round running backs that are just not up to their expectation. I know, right? Remember when Bishop Sankey was going in the third, fourth round? I There was, was a draft rookie. I was in. He got picked 23rd. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, would, I would laugh at the person who picked Bishop Sankey 23rd. I would laugh at them. So I'm going to bring up uh, one final player who I think is being overdrafted, and that's Deshaun Watson. He is currently the second quarterback off the board. He is going uh, – where's, where's, where's he going in ADP right now? We got Watson at 47th. So just to put that that's in perspective, crazy. he's going around – well, Josh Gordon, uh, that's about fair, but a little bit lower. He's going around Lamar Miller, Mark Ingram, Marvin Jones. Uh, he's going right behind Juju, Golden Tate, Jay Ajayi, Brandon Cooks. So these are all players at skill positions that will be significant contributors to your roster. And while Watson – I mean, Watson was amazing last he, year. He, he was yeah, basically giving you unprecedented production at the quarterback position. There's no way that that doesn't regress to the mean. If it did, he would basically be the greatest quarterback of all time if he could do that for a full season. And just like I've said a couple of times, I think you're drafting him not only at his ceiling, but you're drafting him at an unrealistic ceiling. You're taking him above Brady, above Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, uh, and all these other guys, uh, Drew Brees. And you're taking him in the third, fourth round when you could draft – you know, Big Ben, Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, any anybody you like you can take in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. So taking Watson that high is just going after this theoretical upside that just doesn't really exist in reality, yes. in my opinion. Well well said, Ben. That That is exactly what people are doing. They're taking him at that theoretical upside that, honestly, he probably won't maintain. Because you can get a guy like Russell Wilson – who was the number two overall player last year in PP, PPR. You can get him after where Watson's going. Like, I personally, I would want that the person who's already established and can get those points for me. Yeah, and, and so but. Carson Wentz is going much lower, and Wentz is coming off the injury, which is definitely impacting his draft position. But, you know, Watson suffering a season-ending injury isn't, seeming to damage his adp at all yeah um i think watson f at 47 is just insane and one thing about watson is i don't really see his adp falling because there's going to be that one person in every league who had watson last year they picked him up off the waiver wire and he was getting you 40 points per game so whoever had that is just going to have this view of watson and and he's gonna yeah he's gonna give me 35 points per game again and i'm gonna win the league 
but in reality, he should go back down to around 20 points yeah. per game. I, I, I think the projection on Watson is just uh, unbelievable at this point. Completely off. Completely. All right, so we're going to close off this show with a little bit of rapid fire. I'm just going to toss out some names and ADPs, and the guys are going to give me a one-two-sentence answer on these guys and what we're thinking. Uh, Just picked out a couple of interesting players that we were talking about before the show as people who could either be impacts, they're going too low, too high. Uh, So right off the bat, Peyton Barber. Uh, We already talked about him a little bit, but Jared, what what do you like about Barber? I, I love Barber. I think he's going to hold the starting position most of the season, if not all the season. I don't think Ronald Jones, the way he's looked in preseason, he's just looked terrible. And with him going, what was his ADP again? One, uh, 158. 158. So that's a steal. That is a complete steal. That's the 13th round, uh, beginning of the 14th round. Mm-hmm. So yeah, def- defenses are going ahead of him and yeah, kickers. So you could realistically, it'll probably he'll probably boost up to like the ninth round. So you can get a ninth round starter, and I'll take that all day. That could potentially get 15 carries. Yeah, uh, Jamison Crowder. He's the wide receiver, 37th right now. Uh, he's going 88th overall, so he's in about the seventh uh, to eighth round range, and he figures to be Alex Smith's most targeted player. He's gonna break 100 catches this year. Joey, you heard it here first. Oh uh, yeah, I, I like agree him with Darger. There, with should Crowder. do well. I could see him being around ninety to one hundred catches if he stays healthy for the whole year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. He is the twenty-second wide receiver off the board, coming off a pretty great rookie year. He's going at forty-six, right around players like Gordon and Watson, as mentioned earlier. Joey, what do you think about Juju? Uh, I like Juju this year. I feel like he could uh, provide some good value. Potential to be top fifteen. Yeah, receiver. if. Uh, if God forbid anything happened to Antonio Brown, he could be the wide receiver one. He he was so explosive. He already has continued to show that explosiveness in the preseason, a touchdown in each of the games so far. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is looking to be the next in a long line of successful Steelers wide receivers. Along with uh, He's really good. James Washington. He does. James Washington looks really he looks good disgusting. as well. He, he literally just killed the Packers <laughs> the other day. Uh, Will Fuller at... He wide did. receiver 30. He's going at pick 73, judging by Fantasy Pro's ADP. Uh, what do you guys think about Will Fuller in the Texans' offense across from DeAndre Hopkins? He's the same situation as Juju, I feel like. He could be a top 20 receiver if Watson stays healthy and he stays healthy. That's the problem, though. He, he gets injured a lot. He does have injury history. But he's yeah. so explosive when he's on the he field. He is. Um, any play, he could score a touchdown. Yeah, he's, if he's, he gets the ball. he's a home run Any threat, play. just like Tyreek Hill. Another home run threat slash explosive wide receiver with an impressive speed is Brandon Cooks, who is the new number one wide receiver for the L.A. Rams. Uh, he should be taking over the Sammy Watkins role following Watkins' departure. Um, he'll have to contend with targets with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Todd Gurley. But as the 43rd player off of the board, what do we think about Brandon Cooks? I like Brandon Cooks this year. Um, I feel like after a down year last year with the Patriots, I feel like people uh, won't look towards him to, to drafting him, uh, but I feel like he could pre- provide some good value for where he's being drafted at. Mm, where is he at exactly? What was, was 83rd? Mid-4th. Mm. So 
Yeah, so fourth round. Mm, not a fan. Not a fan. I love I love Brandon Cooks, but I don't his, know. That offense is Todd Gurley. He's had about 1,100 yards each of the last three years and declining touchdowns. Yeah, his think, touchdowns have yeah, went his, down from 9 to 8 to 7, and he does have to worry about Cup and Woods. I think I – think His ceiling I take, is I take high. Juju over him. Interesting. Uh, going a little bit further down the board, yeah, a couple yeah. other wide receivers we found interesting. Devin Funches is the 83rd player off the board, uh, wide receiver 35. I know you like Tim Jared. What do you like about Funches? I'm a huge fan of Funches. And with him getting a little more help with DJ Moore and CMC becoming more acquainted with the offense in his second year, I think him and Cam are, are due for a huge year. I like Cam to be a top-five quarterback this year. Joey, you got any thoughts on Funches? Um, yeah, I don't mind him. If he's there in the right spot, I would take him, but I'm not looking to draft him. That yeah. Time the end of last year, he became he, – he was he was really good. Uh, going right in front of Funches at pick 80 is Marquise Goodwin. We talked a little bit about him as a value uh, earlier in this podcast. I think Goodwin is clearly going to be the wide receiver one in the 49ers offense. And with all of the high projections and expectations people have for Garoppolo, I think that has to translate to Goodwin unless you really think that uh, at age, what, 32, Pierre Garcon is going to be the, the wide receiver one in that offense. What do you guys think about Goodwin? Yeah, I think he's probably one of the best value picks in any redraft mm-hmm. league. Um, I could throw him out there all year as my flex. Yeah, he he could. I think he has upside to be a wide receiver as too. A, or yeah, yeah, he's getting drafted as a flex wide receiver basically when he could provide that wide receiver yeah, two I think value, that's ceiling, which I feel like. But I think he's he's a weekly in and out flex play. Because with with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's gonna get he's gonna get targets. About fifty picks after Goodwin, we have another wide receiver that I really like this year and Mike Williams, uh, for the Chargers. He had his rookie campaign decimated by injuries, but Williams really projects as the type of player who could absorb what the Chargers lost and the loss of Hunter Henry. So uh Williams had a pretty impressive touchdown, twenty five yards in this last preseason game, and I think Williams should do pretty well uh, opposite Keenan Allen. Yeah, he's he's taking all those red red zone targets away. He's just a big dude. He's 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 a really big dude, and he has a lot of talent. He just needs to beat out Tyrod Williams, and he's going to become elite. A couple late round picks. Uh, we talked about him in the DraftKings segment as well. John Ross at 187. He's the 68th wide receiver off the board, and will be playing opposite AJ Green. Uh, Jared, I know you're a big fan. Yeah, he could give you what Tyreek Hill gives you. He's not Tyreek Hill. I'm gonna make that clear. But he could give you what Tyreek Hill gives you if Andy Dalton wants to trust himself and chuck the ball. AJ Green can just take take the safety away, and then you have one on one with John Ross, and there's probably five corners that can keep up with him speed wise. He could literally just take the top off take the top off the defense at literally any second. He's so fast, and he's had a great camp. And they they cut uh, LaFell, so he should easily get that starting job and run away with it. Yeah, just uh, more uncertainty there for me. I probably want to draft them either. I know I want to draft a lot of these guys. Uh, in terms of uh, the quarterback position, Eli Manning is going at 182. He's currently the 25th quarterback. Uh, you don't sound thrilled about that, Jared. I will never take Eli Manning, ever. 
<laughs> Even with this offense that he has? Odell, nope. Evan Ingram, nope. Saquon nope. Barkley, nope. Sterling Shepard. Nope. What do you think about uh, Eli? That's, see, Eli is the one player down on this uh, average draft position list that I would consider taking just because of the pieces around him. And, you know, he hasn't been good, but he just has so many pieces and so much talent around him that he can't, you know, be that bad again, I feel like. And they upgraded the O-line as well. So, I I like him, you know. If you want to wait on a quarterback, he could be an option. He could be in play for you if you want to wait. If you want my non-biased hot take, I'm taking Eli Manning over Deshaun Watson in a in a world where I would draft Eli Manning. <laughs> what? That's 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 a crazy that's take. That's a steaming hot take, bro. Just watch. He's going to finish higher than Deshaun Watson. You think Watson's coming for a colossal failure? I mean, he's not going to have he's he's not going to do what he did last year. And Eli Manning, he just got Nate Solder, a healthy Odell, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Healthy yeah. Sterling Shepard. Yeah, that that's funny. But I, I mean, you know, I can't can't argue that. He could he could do it. Eli's capable. It's just can he put it together? Oh, what you got going on over there, Jared? Nice little lemon pure leaf. Lemon pure leaf, the best tea out there. That's, that's what I'm saying. All these all these crazy flavors, but lemon's the way to go. I used to be an Arizona man myself till you guys showed me the light. That's what I'm saying. Pure leaf dude. is so good. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, You can find our episodes on SoundCloud and YouTube. And by next week, you should be able to find us on iTunes and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. My personal Twitter is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Guys, tell them where they can find you. You can find me at Joey Carrion, C-A-R-R-I-O-N, and then underscore after that. And you can find me at Jared underscore underscore Marcus. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with a new episode on Thursday. Yep.